When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like this throw right here. It's Adams again. The connection and the touchdown. 73 yards. Be violent. Go get it. Don't let nothing stop you. you. Gotta fight for everything. It's Hogan Johns. It's really cool just to see how much the city of Chicago, you know, the Bears organization, the Bears fans show love to a family that they barely even know. It is amazing. I love it. From NBC, NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. Adam Ho. There's no ducking anybody in the NFL. No. Like the Lions still have NFL players. And from the from the athletic, it's Adam Adam Johns. You know, hasn't Justin Fields done enough to at least pique your interest to see what he can do yeah. with them too? It's the Adams. That's the best in the city of Chicago. Hogan Johns. The Adams converge. And we are underway. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you. It is Tom Brady week. The Bears heading down to Tampa where they are 12 and a half point underdogs. <laughs> We've been to Tampa so much, haven't we? Yes, I like going to Tampa. I do like going to Tampa. Um, yeah, this is. We'll break down the game here with Greg Allman in a little bit, but uh, I don't feel good about it, Adam. Feel good about going to Tampa, going to Florida, where it's 85 and sunny. Well, that's going to do it for our preview podcast. Johns has made his prediction and made it very clear <laughs> where he's leaning. So we will just talk to you after the game. All right, see ya. No, uh, welcome in. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. It's been an interesting week on Twitter. There's been lots to uh, throw out there and discuss, with some of which we're going to bring to you right here on the podcast momentarily. Uh, Johns mentioned it. Greg Allman from The Athletic, he covers the Bucks, will join us shortly for our weekly preview with the opponent. We'll make the picks. I think you can already tell where we're going on this one, but that's all right. There's still plenty to discuss. A little bit of drama this week. Some distractions, I feel like. And Hallis Hall that we need to address. Uh, please check out our YouTube page. You can watch us if you'd like on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit the notifications. We appreciate you doing that. Our great producer, Kent Garrison, does a tremendous job getting the video up every week and making sure we sound good, uh, which is not easy. So we appreciate Kent as well. Um, all right, Johnsy, let's start with... Let's start with some of the drama. Okay. Might as well just go into it with Tom Brady. How about that? So, uh, if you haven't heard, the new owner of the Chicago Bears, it's a big a big story this week because the McCaskey family sold the Bears to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I know everybody's been waiting for the Bears to be sold for a long time. Aaron Rodgers turns out to be the buyer, and he now owns <laughs> the franchise, which is a little awkward since he still plays quarterback for the, for the Packers, uh, if only he played for the Bears. So, uh, that's a thing. And uh, Tom Brady does a weekly radio show with with uh, Jim Gray. He's actually been doing these for a long time. And uh, the more he's opened up over the years, he's uh, become more entertaining with a bunch of stuff. But uh, this was a conversation he had yesterday with Jim Gray. Tom Brady, Jim Gray on Sirius XM, where uh, he brought the Bears into the conversation. You know, I was studying a little bit on the Bears and, and the Packers and, and watched a lot of that. That was another great game. And I actually, before we get started, I wanted to say congrats to Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Um, now he's a great quarterback, but I guess he's now a shareholder of the Bears. He was, you know, I, <laughs> I saw a clip of him really enthusiastically telling the crowd how happy he is to own Soldier Field. And uh, it's really great stuff. He owns the Bucks now, part owner of Soldier Field. So um, he's he's got a, a great career beyond football. That's the Milwaukee Bucks, by the way. And he is a shareholder of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, not a real shareholder of the Bears, obviously. But, uh, you know, this thing's gotten a little out of hand. You know, it's one thing to have 
one goat come in your building and then just announce to everybody. And by the way, remind me, I have a little thing on taunting I need to bring up here. Um, but now you have the real goat in Tom Brady just sort of rubbing it in before a game, too. Like, this is very unlike Tom Brady. Tom Brady's changed a little bit over the last couple of years, I feel like, but he's still not one to provide bulletin board material. And if I'm on the Bears, I'm already pissed about what Aaron Rodgers did the other day even though it was pretty badass. Now you got this week's opponent rubbing it in. Who do you think's most upset about this, Johnson? <laughs> well, it's the McCaskey family. Um, okay. That's who, I, that's who I would go with. I put that on Twitter, said nothing enrages them more than losses to the Packers, and now you have Aaron Rodgers' comments. And a bunch of people on Twitter are like, well, so what? They don't care. I'm like, no, they, they really do care, everybody. And yes, they've tried to do things about it. But the things they've done about it just haven't worked. <laughs> Lots of changes, no answers, and here we are, Aaron Rodgers making his comments. That's going to have legs, man. Legs. Beyond this week, beyond Tom Brady providing, I, I don't know if it's bullets and board material for the Bears. they got a lot of other things going on. Like guys are injured, guys aren't practicing, guys are posting their fine notices on Instagram. Like There's a lot of other things going on at Hallis Hall beyond studying Tom Brady. And you know what? If you don't like it, stop it. No one else has stopped Tom Brady yet this year, but we'll see. But I think if, um, and where you're going, I'm going in the same area as you are here on this, like these things are starting to add up a little bit this week, it feels like. Okay, one, you have the COVID stuff, which I don't know. It's unfortunately, like it's just still going to happen. We still are in a pandemic. And, um, I don't necessarily think there's any blame to go around there uh, other than if some of the players aren't vaccinated, and that's a different story. But, you know, it's still a distraction either way. I don't think there's any way to blame, but it's it's there. It's part of the, the equation of what's going on right now. Then you have the Aaron Rodgers stuff, which I agree with you. Like, it's one thing to lose to the Packers, then to have Rodgers rub it in your face, and then now have Tom Brady also rub it in your face. That can't sit well right now uh, with ownership. Then you got this, like, I don't know how big of a deal this is. Jalen Johnson posting his fine on Instagram. It, you know, you could go a few ways with this. It could just be a young player making a mistake. Uh, first of all, let's go to the idea of fining him. I, I don't know why this is getting turned in and twisted and like, oh, Matt Nagy needs to go because he's fining Jalen Johnson for being late. All right, uh, you could ask any NFL player and the NFL players, the ex-NFL players I work with at Carmel are constantly on top of our players whenever they're late. And Rasheed Davis will tell you he was late one time and he'll tell you the story of why he's never been was never late again in the NFL. Okay, it's well known in the NFL you don't show up late. Should be 15 minutes early, quite frankly. All right, you don't show up late. And when you don't, when you do show up late, you get fined for it. It's pretty common, and any coach is gonna do it. Um, and honestly, with the technology they now have at House Hall with like their fingerprints getting in the building, like it's probably something that's just automatically gen- generated. Like, oh, you're a minute late. I don't think Matt Nagy sat there on his computer writing up that letter. All right. It got automatically printed out, most likely placed on his desk for him to sign. And I, I don't I don't think it, it I don't think it's a much bigger deal than that. The bigger story is that Jalen Johnson then put it on Instagram. And complained about it. Now, this is where it could potentially become a problem. And we don't know the details. He doesn't really have a right to complain. Unless, are there other players getting away with being late? I don't know. But if there are, then I could see why he'd be upset about that. I I would speculate this isn't an isolated incident either. With him? Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, there had to be warnings. I mean, like, one minute, look, things come up, right? Things do come up. Like, guys are late for different reasons. Um, but to, to, to have this fine come out the way it did, I I, I don't know. I, I'm just speculating here. I would imagine there's other things that preceded this, right? Like, you just don't find a guy immediately right away. There's usually warnings. There's usually messages and, and conversations with coaches. Now, there's definitely a new conversation with Matt Nagy. I'm sure that was had yesterday. Well, I would have fined him again. Yeah. Qu- quite frankly. Um, but here, I, to, to, 
here's where it potentially becomes a bigger issue, maybe. Like, is there a lack of respect there for your coach when you get fined and then you're going to go blast it to the world? Yeah. that I, That's the part I find a little concerning. Not even having regrets about it. It wasn't one of those like emotional, I put it out there, I was mad, I tweeted it. Oh, crap. It's not right. I'll delete it. No. It was up there for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. I just, it's one more thing that if you are, again, the owners who are mad about losing to the Packers this week and you got all these things start to pile up, I mean, it's certainly something that comes across your desk and you're like, well, I don't like this. And and it's also unlike Jalen Johnson, although I don't want to pretend like we know these young players. We haven't really gotten to know them at all the last two years with the way the media situation is and COVID and all that. But this is certainly a player that I'm surprised that this happened with. Does that make sense? We don't know. Uh, you know, I, I guess that that's one of those things is you don't really know until you know, right? Like, now he's an outstanding player who's having outstanding second season. I, I would I would argue that he had shut down Devontae Adams for a period of time on Sunday. He had an outstanding performance. If you just look at the numbers, the targets... He had a great game, great game. So even if there's things going on off field, it hasn't perfect, uh, hasn't affected his performance on it. But this is now a thing. I, I I will quibble with you a little bit. I think he had an okay good game because well, I'd take an okay good game against that receiver. Sure, no, but there's that's a lot what of people say. Who, who's had okay bad games against that. That, that receiver. that's what I was gonna say. It, it it before the 41 yarder. Towards the end of the game, he had held him like three, three catches and 48 yards, I want to say. You take that against Devontae Adams, especially when the guy's accounting for more than 70% of the Packers' total offense. Like, that's a good game. The problem is the 41-yarder still happened, and multiple people have actually just set, come out and flat out said that Jalen would like to have that play back. And on top of it, I don't know if you noticed this, he was jogging after he let Adams go by. And... If he had not yeah, stepped that's out, a bad look. That's a bad if look. he had not stepped out of bounds, it would not have just been Eddie Jackson looking bad for not making the tackle, because he easily could have recovered and helped make the tackle. I'm talking about Jalen Johnson now, and he just jogged after the play and kind of quit on it. So that's a bad to me. That's a bad look, and that's a double negative play. Like that's one where I'm scoring it. I'm giving you two negatives on the play. You got beat, which happens. But then you loafed after it. And that's why I sometimes wonder about the accountability on this team. Like, how much does that hurt you? Like, that's the stuff to me that almost matters more. You can beat by Devontae Adams, fine, it's going to happen. But you loaf after the play, that would bother me even more. Well, what stands out, since we're talking about this specifically now, it was just last week where the Bears were praising Robert Quinn for his pursuit of a ball carrier. Was he not against the Raiders? Good point, yes. For attacking, Mm -hmm. not giving up on the play. Relentless pursuit. All those things that Sean Desai is obviously preaching and Matt Nagy is fully aware of. Robert Quinn was praised for that. This is the the direct opposite of that relentless pursuit. Like you use the word loafing as an example of loafing. Not relentless pursuit, which is obviously a message from the Bears defensive coordinator. And I want to bring up one more quick play because... There was a play where Khalil Mack did the same thing that Robert Quinn did last week with his pursuit from behind and helped make the tackle. But it was a play where Eddie Jackson comes up to make the tackle and ends up getting driven backwards 10 yards. And the only reason he got him down was because Khalil Mack came from the line of scrimmage running 20 yards, 20, probably more than 20 yards down the field to help bring him down. The safeties right now are a problem, dude. Both of them missing tackles, not playing well enough. It's very concerning, honestly. Jalen Johnson had been that bright spot in that secondary. And now you have this conversation, this issue for him this week. Yeah. So just another distraction. And I just wonder and sort of worry. You lose a big one against the Bucks. Because this is a game that could get out of hand, if we're being honest. What 
What starts to happen next week? I still actually think this team's decent. Like, I think that they can... I think this is going to be a season where there are a lot of, as you like to say, ebbs and flows. But the flow right now is... It might be... Uh, well, you're flowing into your worst matchup of the season. Yes, that's a good way to put it. You're in the, the ebb of a tough run of games here, are you not? So Yes. All right, well, speaking of the matchup, let's dive into it. Greg Allman covers the Buccaneers for The Athletic, does a really good job, and uh, we bring him into the podcast right now to talk about Tom Brady's team. Greg, I want to start you off with uh, a question that's actually a little bit more on the personal side, to be honest with you, but I'm just curious uh, because we were both, before last year, I think everybody here on this podcast was covering a team... I was sort of stuck in the mud, right? You know, the, you can't really figure it out. Not making the playoffs too often. Struggling overall. And then Tom Brady's on the market. And I think the Bears kicked the tires a little bit, but clearly weren't as serious as the Bucks were. I don't think Brady was as serious about going to Chicago as he was going to Tampa. He lands in Tampa. Everything changes. So I'm just curious, Greg, what was it like going from covering the Bucks pre-Tom Brady to covering the Bucs with Tom Brady and then all of a sudden covering a Super Bowl victory? Yeah, just a little bit different. Uh, I mean, I, I was on the beat. Uh, I started full-time on the beat at 13 and, and obviously had, had covered one team with a winning record in my first, whatever, seven seasons, I guess. Um, really no, no playoff contention to speak of, anything like that, except for the one year. So, yeah, it, it's... You know, as you would expect with Tom Brady, it changes things in a way no one else in this league could, uh, both in terms of just the wins on the field, obviously, but, but also just the just the relevance, just the casual people caring about your team in other countries, in other continents. Um, every, everybody knows who Tom Brady is. So you have that awareness that that a team that had no relevance beyond its market for so many years is now everywhere. And, and you get you get that with Gronk and you get that with players like Antonio Brown, too. But, yeah, Brady, Brady changes everything that, that anything you can think about with the team is different because he's here. I feel like you're covering a, a new version of, of Tom Brady, too. It's like we, we just played his um, soundbite where he's referencing um, what Aaron Rodgers said, the 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 own yeah. it. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers apparently owns the Bears. I don't know if you've heard. You know, <laughs> uh, that, that's the new thing. But like, what do you make of that? Like, what do you make of what he said? And then what do you make of like this new outgoing Tom Brady who now says things that right. go viral like almost every week? No, it, it's amazing. And it's again, you feel bad because I mean, there's people that covered him in New England for two decades and never saw this. You know, saw. What we all thought was, you know, Tom Brady, very measured, very careful, like his head coach, not really saying much of anything at all. And now we get here in Tampa, we get like a Tom Brady that's cracking jokes on social media. He's going on late night shows and and joking with the president about political things. Uh, There's very little he won't say right now. I mean, he's not completely unfiltered, but it's been really neat to see him kind of embrace a little bit of the, again, the laid back spirit of his head coach here kind of Florida in general. And yeah, he, he's jokey dad joke, Tom Brady, and, and definitely, you know, just appreciating things a little more and taking things lighter than what we saw, even when he was completely surrounded by perennial success in New England. You can follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Allman. That's spelled A-U-M-A-N. He's the co-author of Champa Bay, which you can get now from Triumph Books. Greg, um, the the way the game last year ended between the Bears and the Bucs with Tom Brady forgetting what down it was, which is just like, honestly, in, in he, for a guy who's had so few bad moments in his career on the football field, that's on the list, right? So right. What, is that something that's coming up this week? Is that something that you think? Tom Brady seems like the type of guy to me that, like, will not forget that himself and use it as motivation going forward because it's like it's the same thing with MJ in this town. You know, if Jordan did something like that ever, I I could just see it just eating at him for like the rest of his career and him turning that into like seven more championships just because. Yeah, and it it doesn't even take that much to to give Tom Brady this 
extra gear that he has, this motivation to go beyond just normal pissed off, I lost a game kind of thing. Um, and it was neat. I mean, la- last year was funny. Last year after the Bears game, everybody saw him befuddled and holding up the fingers, and it's, it's been such a meme and everything. And, like, after the game, he kind of was in denial and was like, no, I was just thinking too much about chunks and picking up yards, but, like, insisted that he knew it was fourth down. And Bruce Arians, smartly, rushed to his defense and said, oh, of course Tom knew what down it was. And now, kind of Super Bowl after aftermath, he's kind of fessed up. They're like, yeah, no, I, I completely lost track of things. Uh, I think Mike Evans even said that he saw one of the down markers on one side had said fourth down by mistake or something like that. So, yeah, but Tom, to his credit, has just kind of owned it. That yeah, he just and he jokes about having senior moments because he is forty four now. But it's one of those rare times where at the end of the game, where he's the absolute guy you'd want to have to lead a drive down the field to win. He didn't even remember that it was fourth down. So yeah, that'll be something where I don't know that it'll come to the same situation uh, Sunday in Tampa. But if it did. Um, I would think he's going to be careful to check the down and distance each time. With the benefit of hindsight and lots of it, what did that loss to to the Bears do for for the Buccaneers? Um, for the Bears, that was like the high point of their season because not too long after that, it was a tailspin. Uh, six game losing streak was right around the corner, but for the Buccaneers, what did that loss, the Cleo Mack game, and and all the you know the 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 suplex and all that stuff. What did that do for the Buccaneers? Yeah, I think it was absolutely uh, one of the defining wake-up calls in them kind of getting to where they are. Obviously, they, they still struggle. They still dropped three out of four at one point after this game. But I think from, at least from like a team discipline standpoint, it, it was rock bottom. Um, you, you saw Tom Brady just visibly pissed on the sidelines, going off on his offensive lineman. They had that one drive. I'm actually writing about this today, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. But they had this drive in the third quarter where they had five penalties on their offense in the drive. It's like they open up with a hold and an OPI, and it's first and 30. And they almost get out of that because Khalil Mack in sacking Tom Brady gets a roughing the passer call. But they managed to negate that with a hold, so it offsets. And then they had another unnecessary roughness where it's like second and 34 as they're clinging to a two-point lead. And they had another penalty that was so bad it was even declined on that drive. And then even late, I, I think they had like a roughing the passer on the Bucks defense that contributed to the Bears being able to run off like two minutes o'clock late. So what's wild is that they completely flipped a switch with penalties. They were like the worst team in the NFL with penalties, 80 yards a game after this point, after the Bears game last year, after five games. And then somehow from that point on, they were the best team in the league on penalties. And they cut it down to like 28 yards a game in penalties. Um, the fewest penalties, the fewest penalty yards in the NFL the rest of the way. And that carried over into the Super Bowl, into the playoffs. I mean, they only, they only had 33 yards penalties per game in the playoffs. And what's funny is that they've actually now reverted back to early last year. And they now lead the NFL in penalties again and are second in penalty yards, all that kind of stuff. Having all kinds of issues with flags. So I'm curious to see whether just going up against the Bears again and reliving the nightmare that was that game last year will we'll kind of have that same scared straight effect and, and get them out of their penalty funk uh, this time next this year. Uh, you know, Greg, the the matchup as a whole doesn't look that even, but on the on the side of the ball where, where Tom Brady is going to be out there with that great offense and all those weapons going against a pretty good Bears defense. I mean, the Bears defense is still pretty good. Um, like that side should be fun to watch. How, how do you see that playing out? And and I, is there even a way to slow down the offense right now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? There is. No, there is. I mean, like Bruce Arians made a point to say yesterday, he thinks this is, with the Rams, one of the best defenses they'll face. He actually stopped himself and said, also the Saints. Like they have the Saints next week. He didn't want to like immediately set off his next opponent. But, I mean, he said that they he expects this to be one of the best defenses they face. And last year, and there weren't that many moments where the Bucks got rattled offensively. Um, like Tristan Wirfs, their rookie tackle, looked just invincible for most of last year. But Khalil Mack destroyed him. I mean, Khalil Mack picked him up and threw him on the ground like a rag doll after a sack. Um, so, I, I, think, I think there's a vulnerability in that, they probably have to help to make this a game. They, they have to commit multiple turnovers. They have to have the kind of penalty issues they've had. This is still a fairly depleted defense. Um, I mean, they're, they're 
top two corners are on IR right now. I don't think they'll have Levante David, who's a huge part of the middle of their defense. Antoine Winfield is still in concussion protocol. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul has played, but is, is kind of a shell of himself right now. So there's definitely a, a window where, again, if the Bears play well, if they clamp things down defensively, this could be another, whatever it was, 2019-1917 game. But I do think that the Bucks would have to kind of be complicit in that. They'd have to have turnovers like they did last year. Uh, and, but again, that's something they're capable of. I, I think they win this game, but I definitely think they're capable of stumbling the same way they did last year. I think the question here is the the follow-up is, can the Bears score points? Because we heard the Packers' defense was depleted last week. Uh, The Bears didn't score enough. It's whether or not they could keep up, right, with the three wide receivers Brady has. Leonard Fournette, productive uh, again. Um, So I'm not going to quite ask you for your your pick here, Greg. I think we're all leaning towards the Buccaneers. I think the question I have for you is, well, can the Bears keep up, and can they cover that 12-and-a-half spread? Right. Yeah, it was funny. I was, I was just reading our, our picks preview of the week, and they, they picked the Bears to cover. Again, it's 12 and a half, so it's a big number to, to cover. I, I think I'm curious to see how the injury situation shakes out for Chicago in that obviously having Quinn on COVID is a big deal. I think right now, like Hicks, Mack, and even somebody else up front didn't practice yesterday. So if any of those guys are gone, that certainly takes the edge off that defensive front. But I do think, you know, I, I think in Justin Fields, they see – a little bit of what they had in their last game in, in Philadelphia uh, with Jalen Hurts in a young quarterback, uh, tough to bring down, mobile. They will, they've been saying they think Fields is faster than Hurts. They think he's more of a threat and more elusive a runner than Hurts was. And Hurts is like second in the NFL in rushing for quarterbacks. So I think there's definitely an awareness of uh, needing to contain Fields. I don't think their secondary is as big a concern as it was. I mean, they were really depleted. They'll be basically down at least three of their top five for this game. Uh, Richard Sherman, who comes back and is kind of their, their fill-in starter, he's going to miss the game. He's got a hamstring. So essentially it's down four bodies right now. And I think if the Bears had a little bit more receiver depth, a little more downfield presence, they could test that a lot more. Right now, I see the sheer number of sacks that Chicago has given up, and I think that's probably a real vulnerability. That's somewhere where the Shaq Barrett's and the Vita Veyas and even the, the Joe Tryon Chienka, the rookie here. Um, I think they're going to be licking their traps trying to get uh, a quarterback, a young quarterback that might not know how to handle multiple exotic defensive looks and those kind of things that they, they might be able to have a good day sack wise. Yeah. I think that uh, is perfectly reasonable uh, <laughs> to look at it that way. Greg, thanks so much for your time. We always appreciate it you coming on with us and breaking things down and uh, we will see you on Sunday in Tampa. Awesome guys. Safe travels. Look forward to seeing you and having the game on, on Sunday. Thanks again. Thanks Greg. All right. There he is. Greg Allman who covers the Bucks for the athletic. All right. Our preview of the bears bucks game rolls on. We go from Greg Allman to a similarly, um, how do I put this? Uh, outstanding athletic writer. Kevin Fishbane joins the podcast now. You That's didn't think I was going to intro you that way, did you? <laughs> I, I, I was pausing and thinking about all the ways he could have gone with that one. But, uh, you know, he Greg was waiting for the great, burn. So. He was waiting for the burn. Yep. No, no, I'm feeling good on this Thursday. I don't know why. Maybe it's because the Bulls got a nice win last night. Bulls did look kind of good. Especially They're late. fun. I mean, they shouldn't have been losing to the Pistons, probably, but right. I still enjoyed it. First game of the season, Zach Levine played outstanding. I, I felt a little bad for friend of the of the pod, Adam Amin, because there were a few plays in that fourth quarter where, like, they were about to put it away, and you could tell, like, in his voice, like he was ready for the the dagger. And he's trying to go could, Wayne Larravee dagger. Yeah, yeah, they just could, they had so many shots that rimmed in and out, and the Pistons were able to. Work their way back in. Adam means the he's he's the best though. It, it was fun to it's fun to have a intriguing Bulls team. Yeah. Well, thanks to Kevin Fishbane for joining us to talk about the Bulls today. I hope you have a good rest of your day. And um, any thoughts on Northwestern before you leave? Uh, it's Northwestern Michigan week. Oh, yes. In the big house. Now you could stick around and talk about the Bears too. We gave you the big task of doing our three big questions again. I, I have them ready. 
you must have done a really good job. Or, again, Johns is just trying to get out of doing them and handing them off to you. Both could be true. Take some time. I put some effort into it. Okay. Let's hear it. Uh, let's go. You, you have to deliver your your big voice, which... Question one. I don't know if we call that a big voice or no, what kind no, of voice no. it is, but... I, go back to your regular voice. <laughs> no one has rushed for more than 67 yards against the Buccaneers this season, and that was Sonny Michelle, who averaged 3.35 yards per carry. Michelle's the only running back with more than 11 carries against the Bucks. How should that impact the Bears' game plan? Should they keep trying to hand it off to Khalil Herbert, maybe throw in some Justin Fields' design runs, throw it 40 times? We've seen usually what Matt Nagy does when he faces a defense that stops the run. He just stops running the ball. What do you think they should do on Sunday? What well, was the second number you brought up that actually I think was more important? They only tried to run 11 times. That's the most against the Bucks this year? Yeah, Sony Michelle, I think, had um, maybe 19 carries. He's the only he's the only running back with more than 11 carries against oh, the Bucs all season. Well, yeah. the, going back to the 11 number, the Bears have to run the ball more than 11 times. Like, even if it's not working, they have to do that. I, I feel very strongly about this. Um, even if the, the yards per carry average is not high, like, you have to help Justin Fields out by at least giving the Bucks the threat of the run. And part of this, look, I, I'm not taking any way, anything away from what the Bucks have done. They are very good rushing defense. There's absolutely no debate about that. But part of why their numbers are so low is because nobody's even trying to run against them. So you have to try. You have to come up and challenge your offensive linemen to be the team that has some success. I'm not expecting them to go off and like run for 200 yards by any means, but you have to continue to run the ball. If you ask Justin Fields to drop back and throw the ball 40 times, I don't think you have a chance in this game. Well, just hearing what Greg said about the injuries for the Buccaneers, I think the the Bears are able to to move the ball at least a little bit against the Buccaneers on the run. You know for darn sure they're going to try. There'll be more than 11 carries for Khalil Herbert. He may break a 10-yarder here or there, but they'll... Like, what was the, the first stat? 67 yards? I would say yeah. they're... Their running backs, or Herbert specifically, will hit the over on that. Maybe only by like 75, 78 yards in this. But you know the Bears are going to try. Do you guys know that today, October 21st, is the two-year anniversary of Matt Nagy's famous, I know we need to run the ball, I'm not an idiot. Mm. Ooh, That was, was that coming off that Chargers Saint, uh, Saints loss. Ah, uh, yes. I think it was leading into the Chargers Correct. loss. Where they the, they set a franchise record of fewest carries in a game against the Saints. At yeah, it was like seven. Tra- yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah, that they, Trubisky's like uh, first game back from injury too, or something? Yeah, because he yeah, missed the was, London game. Yeah, didn't didn't go well. It was coming yeah. out of the bye. They went to London. They had that terrible game. They came out of the bye. You're thinking, all right, this is where they regroup, and it was even worse. I think that's when. I mean. You, you could point to a lot of times in that 2019 season. That was really the, all right, that's that's it and that's all. And that's then, then we and saw the all. eye formation the next week against the Chargers. That was fun. Until the fourth quarter when they had a lead and they said, Mitch, throw the ball, and then he turned the ball over twice, and then they lost. Right. Ah, memories. Question two. Um, so last week it was pretty clear uh, Devontae Adams got all the attention from Bears defensive game plan can't really do that this week so who's the guy that maybe makes you most nervous someone who Sean decides should really be focused on not necessarily like you have to stop this guy because you can't just pick one but out of Chris Godwin Mike Evans Antonio Brown Gronk OJ Howard is one of those guys you're just a little worried about he could be the one that if this game's close he can you know you know, he, he he could make the impact play. Or if this is a runaway win for the Bucs, this is the guy that's going to have a huge game. Go ahead, Johns. I got my yeah. answer. Uh, well, I, I don't know if there is an answer, okay. but who do you got? It means it's a great I, question, by the way. Yes. It is a great question. It's a hard thing to answer. But I'll tell you the guy that when I've been watching the Bucks this year that has surprised me with how good he looks, it's Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he really looks like the old Anto- Antonio Brown. He's getting open downfield. He's still got that speed. 
that's the one that worries me. Because, like, we've seen, we just continually see these plays with the secondary. It's only, like, a couple of them every game, but there's, like, either a busted coverage or a bad missed tackle. And it's just, like, that speed on the back end right now with Antonio Brown, I think of all of those weapons, and it is concerning. That's the one that would concern me the most. When you look at the stats of these guys, Mike Evans, 49 targets. Chris Godwin, 46 targets. Antonio Brown, 42 targets. Antonio Brown, the least targeted of the three, leads them all with 83.6 yards per game receiving. This is an awful matchup for the Bears (laughs) secondary. Awful, awful. Like, Duke Shelley just got benched for Xavier Crawford. Is that, you know, like... It's it's a mess, and we were just Kevin. We were just talking about Jalen Johnson being that one bright spot in the secondary, and now you got all these things going on with him this week, right? Like, what's going on? What's going to happen? Just just an awful, off like awful matchups, plural guys, plural for the Bears secondary this week. Like the the Bears have to own <laughs> that line of scrimmage, and if they don't, it's gonna be a long day for that secondary. Yeah, I was thinking Antonio Brown too, and the other thing about. Like there was a time in like the this era of Bears defense, I might have said somebody like OJ Howard or Gronk, but so far they haven't been really killed by tight ends this year. Um, I think like Austin Hooper had that easy touchdown in Cleveland, but I feel like it hasn't really been the tight ends that have gotten them. They haven't played no. that many good ones, but, um, but they did a good job against Hawkinson a few weeks ago. They did. They and, did. And, and Waller. Waller. Yeah, they did a very good job yeah. on Waller. Um, I, Speaking of the Bears secondary, you guys know who might be on the trade block because he just got benched in Denver? Kyle Ooh, Fuller. Kyle yeah. Fuller. I was just reading our colleague's uh, story uh, on, on kind of what the Broncos, if they're going to be buyers, if they're going to be sellers. Kind of depends on the next two games. And in the if they're sellers category, Kyle Fuller. You know, benched after, after Vic Fangio said he had a bad game against Pittsburgh. You know, all this talk about the offensive tackle situation and the cornerback situation and, uh, you know, the, the Jimmy Graham contract stuff is still completely valid no matter how you want to look at it. But I I feel like they've upgraded at left tackle and they haven't gotten any worse at corner. Like the one guy we don't talk about a lot is Kendall Vildor. He's been pretty solid. It's good that we're not talking about him, right? That's what I mean. Like, yeah. he's he's gone pretty much unnoticed. Now, if you want to make an argument that maybe the Bears would be better off if they still had Fuller and they could have put Kindle inside, I don't know right. how he can play that position, but I could listen to that argument that maybe overall they'd be better. But it's a good point by you that it's not actually going so well for Kyle Fuller out there in Denver right now. And uh, it's Bill Belichick who's always the one who's... Gets rid of players a year early rather than a year late. That's an important thing, actually, in the NFL, and maybe this one qualifies as that. Let's not forget he also had like a what a twenty-five million cap hit, twenty million cap hit. Yeah, that too. What else? Go ahead, I'm listening. All right, question three. There's no such thing as a moral victory in the NFL. So, what would you qualify as a moral victory for the Bears on Sunday? Um, a good day for Justin Fields. That's a trick question. Yeah. Yeah. When you're developing a young quarterback, I don't call them moral victories. Call them, um, what's a good word here, fellas? Signs of progress. Yeah. Losses. Signs of progress losses. Okay. <laughs> I like that. That could work. But that only applies to one person and maybe some of the guys around him, like Fields. If Fields, like, if he's able to keep up with Tom Brady. For like two and a half quarters, three quarters. Yeah, I'll quantify it even like more specifically. It's it's what we've been talking about this week, what Matt Nagy's been talking about, what Justin Fields has been talking about. Like you can't just have one good drive at the beginning of the game, one good drive at the end of the game. It just has to be more consistent across the board. Not going to score every time, but just that consistency. So if you can come out of this game with four consistent quarters from your quarterback, there's your moral victory. And that's going to be tough, too, because if they're trailing by double digits in the fourth quarter and the Bucks are printing the ears back and the Bears are in pass first mode, like, you know, how does Justin Fields handle that? How do we how do we and the coach and how do we evaluate? How do the coaches evaluate it? But I, I like that. I mean, 
to me, it's it's Justin Fields. Then if you want to go a notch below, it's it's Cole Komet. It's you know the um, you know you, you keep Darnell Mooney. It's these guys who are the you know the future of this team, and the guys that you're most you know interested in seeing continue to ascend. Um, you know, it's it's Roquan Smith. Uh, you know, haven't heard Bilal Nichols' name a ton this year. You know, this is a great opportunity for him. He he wrecked Tom Brady when the Patriots came here. Nichols rookie season that was one of his best games. I think he's played well this year. I just you know, where's that splash play? So guys like that, Jalen Johnson, Kendall Vildor. You know, you just want to see all those guys make the incremental progress and tip your cap to a team that's just significantly better than you. Can I give you two quick rants here? One has to do with this game, and then one doesn't. But I want I want Kevin in here on this one. All right, so first of all, like some people think I've been too hard on the Bears' weapons because I've been on this like high horse now going back to training camp about how the Bears just don't have You don't like weapons. speed, okay. Yeah, well, we it's also because you're a Packers fan, but continue. That That's true. That's a new development. I oh, Even <laughs> even the best man at my wedding says I have a Wisconsin bias, even though he knows I grew up in Chicago because uh, I grew up with him. But, <laughs> you know, no, I uh, the four years I spent in Wisconsin going to school there rooting for the Badgers – I clearly have a Packer bias now. Um, just look at the Bucks. Just look at the Bucks and everything we're talking about here. Okay, and these are all guys they plugged other than Mike Evans and Godwin. Like, the rest of these dudes are dudes they, they I guess O.J. Howard too, but I don't even really count him. Like, they brought in all these, Leonard Fournette, Gronk, Antonio Brown. They all came in with Tom Brady. Like they're not just the Bucks aren't just sitting there going, oh, we got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. No, add more, add more. What are the Chiefs doing? It's like every week the Chiefs pick up some dude. The Packers are doing it right now on defense. Oh, Whitney Merciless is available. Let's add him. Jalen Smith. Let's add him. Now the Bears are in a position with the cap where they can't really do that, but that's their own fault. It's just the Bucks are the prime example where yes, it's about Tom Brady, but they you look at the weapons the Bucks have, and then you try to tell me the Bears have enough weapons. Get out of here. Yeah. Nonsense. No. All right, the Scotty other thing. Miller, who's not even playing for the Buccaneers because I think he's hurt, would be like a starter for the Bears. Oh yeah. He'd be like the Cole he'd be right there with Cole Komet, the hometown hero. Oh, yeah, that's right. Dude. Barrington, right? Yeah, right. They are like, you know. Yeah, but then we'd be spending every hometown Monday. Hometown hero dude. We'd be spending every Monday asking Matt Nagy, "Hey, so why isn't Scotty Miller getting the ball?" Right, because they would they wouldn't find a way to problem. incorporate him in the offense. I was actually it's funny how because I was I was answering a question in our mailbag about Demir Bird, and someone's like, "What's Ugh. the point of Demir Bird?" And and like I get it, but I also looked back under Matt Nagy, the number four wide receiver on the Bears each year, the most receiving yards a number four guy has had, I think was Cordero Patterson, and one hundred twenty three oh. receiving yards. So like, and, and they, look they at just those don't. numbers Johns just rattled off. Like they all have over forty targets each on the yeah. Bucks. Leonard Fournette has twenty five catches this oh, year. It's week. F- what week is it? Seven. Seven. Jesus. Rant number two. Yeah, rant number two actually goes back to the Aaron Rodgers owning the Bears thing. Okay. Now, I think I've been very clear on this podcast that I think it's badass what he did, and that's my obviously my Packer bias, um, my Wisconsin bias there. Don't have a problem with it. If the fans are going to flick off the quarterback and he has a right to call out what is absolutely true. But here's my beef. It's actually with the NFL, okay? I don't know if you guys, you guys watch the games. You're there. You know, you pay attention. There's literally taunting on every freaking play. Somebody is talking to somebody every play. And then it's so arbitrary when the ref decides to pull the flag. It It's such garbage. Like, there was one play the other day where, like, J- Joel E.A. Booneyway was, like, they were, like, basically in a fist fight for, like, <laughs> 20 seconds, yeah. yelling at each other, like, tapping each other on the helmet and all this. And they're like, oh, let him play, let him play, let him play. And then, like, one dude, like... Like says hello the wrong way after a play and then the flag. Okay. So if you're going to try to tell me, and isn't it John Mara who's like behind this whole taunting thing? Do I have that correctly? I think it's, it, it's, it's like one or two of the owners that were like, this is a big problem. We need to fix this. Okay. And now they put in this overreaching nonsense that they do with some rule every year. So you're going to tell me that you're, you cannot taunt an opposing player 
But after a touchdown, you can yell obscenities at the crowd. Again, I don't think there's anything wrong what Aaron Rodgers did. But if you're going to tell me that taunting is a huge problem and we can't have this from our players yelling at it, then you're gonna. it's okay to yell at the fans that are paying to be there? Again, not a problem with what Aaron Rodgers did. It's a problem with what the NFL is trying to say. Like, this is the most hypocritical thing ever. He didn't even get fined for that. I don't think he should be fined. But if you're going to have these taunting rules, then it's okay to yell obscenities at the fans, but you can't say, you know, whatever to the opposing player in the heat of the moment after you made a big play. It's such nonsense. Yeah, and the hypocrisy continues. Get Tom Brady talking about it, but it's all over NFL Network. It's all over ESPN. It's all over Sirius XM. It has legs. The talk lives on. If Mario Edwards Jr. said something cool to Aaron Rodgers that got picked <laughs> up by a mic and went viral, then maybe he wouldn't have gotten in trouble for it. Hey, quick, can I add on to your rant a little bit, Hogue, with just a really quick... Um, not hypocrisy, but just not understanding anything. I tweeted about this during the game. Why in the year 2021 is a personal foul and holding still offsetting penalties? Oh, I don't know. I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, why can't they just say, this is a 15-yard penalty, that's a 10-yard penalty, this team gets five yards? That's what they do in high school. We had that last week. They they marked off the holding, although the weird thing about, we actually lost yards because... High school, the holding penalties from the spot. Mm. So, like a lot of times, you end up losing like seventeen yards on a holding penalty because it happens yeah, seven yards in the backfield. backfield. It sucks. But anyway, that's why they did it. They marked off seventeen yards backwards for the holding, and then fifteen yards back for the personal foul, and we ended up losing two. But I'm with you. That's how it should be. I don't know. I don't know why. Like it's it's weird that like Justin Fields could almost get his head taken off, mm. and. And, and and listen, fans were tweeting at me because obviously they were angry about it and angry about what the Packers are doing. And they're like, all right, well, if the Packers are holding on a play and you see the flag come out, go punch Aaron Rodgers. Because <laughs> you, you won't, like, it'll be offset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's wild. So, anyways, uh, that's my, that's a little mini rant. Did, did you see the, uh, since we're ripping the NFL. Hello, everyone, this, this is Al Riveron. Since we're ripping the NFL for a little bit here, did you see the the end zone view of the all 22 of Justin Fields trying to call a timeout and what the, who is it? Brad Rogers. What, what, what's his name? It was Rogers, Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Brad Rogers. He's did you, uh, did you he's see what he did? Rogers brother. <laughs> did, did you see his reaction when Fields turned to him with the time timeout sign? No, I didn't notice that. Watch it. Go watch it. He like yeah. looks back. He looks at the other back judge and goes, wait, what was that? And he puts his hands up like what, 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 what? It's weird. Like blows your did mind. He, did he not know the quarterback's allowed to call a timeout? Yeah. <laughs> Watch his reaction when Fields turns to him. He's like, what, what, what? Like Very he's just odd. confused at what that... Yeah, yeah, confused. Maybe Fields has to be a bit louder, but he literally puts up his hand like, what? What do you want me to do? Yeah. Very um, odd reaction. Maybe grant the me the timeout, sir, that I asked he, for. And Fields uh, directly walks to him right after the delay of game penalty. Just odd, odd sequence there. Yeah, and then I think you almost heard him on the mic say, no, 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 no. <laughs> like... No, no time. Like, as he was about to call the penalty, he was like, no, no. Like, you, he, like he shook him off. Like, <sighs> Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. Al's not even there anymore, but I'm going to continue to blame everything on him. All what right. Al? Um, well, Kevin, I'm going to make you stick around for predictions. Bold predictions. I think we're all okay. picking the... The Bears to win, obviously, right? Bears. I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to continue my bold prediction from last week. Cole Komet scores a touchdown. One of these weeks, he'll be right. Scores. Do you a guys touchdown. know that uh, the only time since 1980 the Bears won as at least 12 point underdogs was 1999. <sighs> Shane Matthews led them to a win over the Vikings in Minnesota. They are Shane one and Matthews. fifteen in such games. What a franchise! Hey, I'm counting my bold prediction from last week because oh, yeah. I said Justin Fields would would uh, throw the ball twenty five times. Oh yeah, and then I think we kind of were like, well, maybe thirty, but we'll split the difference. He threw the ball twenty seven times, so it counts. Um, what do you got this week? 
Well, I don't know. I could be like you and just be like, well, let's double it down. Same thing. <laughs> At least mine was correct. Uh, well, I think he will throw the ball 30 times this week. I think he'll have to. How about this? I'll say he accounts for three touchdowns, Justin Fields, in this Whoa, game. Oh, let me just your prediction so, then. So, um, yeah. This is a little preview to my prediction, which this week I'll make sure it lines up with my bold prediction on like most weeks. Um so, yeah, three touchdowns for Justin Fields, whether that's rushing, throwing, maybe he'll kick a field goal. I don't know. Why not? Oh, it's, is it my turn? <laughs> yes. You are still present on the podcast. Uh, how about... Well, well, is let's he? Go, <laughs> let's, go, let's go the other way. How about um, the the Bears don't... The Bears fail to rush for 60 yards. Ooh. Okay. For 60? 60. I don't know if that, that guy, okay, bold enough. Sure. John said that Khalil Herbert was going to run for 75 yards. Not exactly too bold. I almost find his that bolder than not getting a 60, considering what the Bucks have how done. About, all right, all right. I got Justin, two bold prediction for this one, then. But Justin Fields throws for 300 yards. Woo! That's just crazy. <laughs> Let's get wild. Scores. And, the, and the Bears failed to score three touchdowns. Scores. Ooh, um, I'm going to go 31 to 20 Buccaneers. Bears cover. 12 and a half is a lot of points. I think mm-hmm. they can cover, but I, they can't keep up. They can't hit 30 points. They'll be lucky if they hit 20. I'll give it to them because the Buccaneers have some issues in their secondary with all the injuries. 31-20 home team. My score is similar, although I do have the Bucks covering the 12 and a half just barely. I'm going to say Bucks 34, Bears 21. I'll go Bucks 36, Bears 16. Ooh. Yeah. We'll I mean, go, I can see uh, that happening. Three field goals for Cairo and uh, Justin Fields to Cole Komet touchdown for John Z. There you I'll go. Take it. All right. Do you want to stick around for the uh, rest of our predictions? or you Sure. I got nowhere to be. You don't have to run the Chris Tabor special teams meeting? No. I do. All right. Rapid fire. Let's run through these. Ooh, John's only put four in here. Yeah, it's a bad slate. Yeah. A lot of fine. big spreads this week. Really bad oh. slate. Bad slate of college oh. football, too. All right. Let's start with uh, my hometown Green Bay Packers. F*** you, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Noon on Fox, Washington, headed to Green Bay, my hometown that I love so much. <laughs> Packers are seven and a half point favorites. Who you got? Packers by 10. That's come down from nine and a half, and I don't know why. I, I'll, I'll say Packers by two touchdowns. Yeah, because, I mean, Washington's got a good defense. Do they? Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Not watching Washington film every week, if we're being honest. Just uh, just the Packers over and over again. I, I'll take, uh, I have to pick the Packers. Go Bears. All right. Next up, CBS Noon. Oh, by the way, you know who's calling the Bears game this week? Just the tip there, Jim. Yeah, it wasn't enough. The A team. Yeah, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. I don't know why CBS wanted this game so badly, but they did. It's Hello, in their friends. late late afternoon slate. But what other, what other game would they take? Yeah, I don't know. It's there's not a lot of good ones. There's not a lot of good ones, I guess. Justin Fields. I was listening to a rival podcast that the the bit or the thing of the podcast is they guessed the lines. It's been around for a while, and you, they were you're allowed to say Bill Simmons' name on. This well, I don't podcast. want to send listeners to his podcast. I mean, you, I, it's, it, I, I'm pretty sure if you look at the iTunes rankings, it's Bill Simmons. And Hogan Johns, like, buying for number one. So I got to be careful here. In certain Anyways, markets. They <laughs> we were ranking, competitors, yeah. They were ranking the games of the week, and it was like after ravens Bengals, they go, Bears-Bucks, probably the next most interesting game. With the 12-and-a-half-point spread. All yeah. Right. Well, I guess that's why CBS wanted the game. Fair enough. All right, also on CBS Noon, it's the Chiefs at tight. Like, this is a better game. The Titans just beat the Bills. This is a good game. Chiefs at Titans. Titans are five and a half point home dog. Who you got? 
I'm taking the Titans and the points. Yeah, the Chiefs' give me defense is bad. Yeah, Titans to cover. Derrick Henry runs for 200. Oh, yeah. Boy, that guy is just a beast. I do not understand how he runs that fast when he's that big. I forget which former player tweeted this, but he is the player when you're a kid on Madden. Like, he's who you create, like that giant running back. Oh, yeah. That's completely unfair. That's that's a great. I, I, I want to. Who, who, which uh, former receiver tweeted that? But, um, he is. I'm like, that's who you create. Like, that big guy just runs everybody over. He really exists. He plays for the Titans. Was it Tanner Gentry? It was not Tanner Gentry. Just want to throw out Tanner Gentry's name. Also on CBS at noon, Bengals at Ravens. <laughs> Bengals are kind of... <laughs> I haven't heard what? that one in a while. Yeah. <laughs> never, uh, forget, never forget. Never forget. Ravens are six and a half point home favorite looking pretty good all of a sudden blowing out the chargers now they get joe burrow as cincinnati comes to baltimore you know what? I, I like the bengals here i don't know why i think a little bit of a letdown from the ravens after last week's performance i think the ravens win but maybe a backdoor type cover or something yeah I, i'm with you I, I are the bengals really good i mean the bears beat the bengals almost pretty handily until the little comeback at the end i i'm not sure i'm skeptical about their success but they could take the points and cover. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Bengals. Jamar Chase is fun. Good player. Yes. Yes. Very happy I drafted him in my fantasy league. That is paying off since I know you guys care about that one. Chris, uh, Matt Nagy has always been kind of the past half full kind of guy. Fox 305. What's going on in somebody's house right now? <laughs> it's mine. I got one of those, uh, what's the uh, the robot vacuum that goes oh, around the house. You got the shark Ro- going right now? Roomba? Yeah, it, the Roomba, yeah. Um, it was off. Just turned back on. It's going to work in the room right next to me. Yeah. If, if Johns gets murdered by a robot today, <laughs> now we know what's happening as they continue to take over the world. All right, this is Fox 305, the uh, Detroit Lions Going to Los Angeles, the uh, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford. You know, it says something that, like, this big train of the offseason is getting buried in the late afternoon, like the week late afternoon spot. Double Matthew revenge Stafford. game. Yeah, I don't know. Rams are favored by 15. They're going to kill them. <laughs> yeah. That's, this isn't even the biggest spread of the weekend. I know. I think the Cardinals are favored by, like, 17 and a half points against the Texans. Um Give me the Lions to cover. I don't know. Maybe Jared Goff goes crazy and he, he has a comeback that doesn't get too close, but enough to cover the 15. I keep thinking the Lions are plucky. I think I'm just it's just because of what they did in the fourth quarter of week one against the 49ers. Yeah. And, and maybe they're not that plucky. I don't know. Well, I guess they Dan almost beat the Ravens. Dan Campbell just called Jared Goff out for being bad. That was weird. Who's the Lions' backup quarterback, anyways? The Lions' backup quarterback? Yeah. People are wondering if Goff is going to get benched. Hmm. That's a good question. I don't even know. know Maybe they should have drafted Justin Fields. Mm. Yeah, which is... I honestly thought they were still going to draft a quarterback after they made that trade. Uh, David Blau. Oh, yeah. Bears killer. Is he? Mitch Trubisky. Well, he had that that, uh, touchdown in the first play of the game. Yeah, that's right. That was a fun football game. This Roomba is getting closer to me. Uh, well, maybe don't have it go off in the middle of the podcast. It was off. <laughs> Turned on by itself. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams to cover. You know, I was going to take the Bucks as my survivor pick this week against the Bears, but the more you look at it, it's like, why would you waste the Bucks? When you have, there's so many big spreads. It's getting out of hand here the NFL. Uh, Dan Campbell was one of two head coaches this week that just decided to drive a bus over his quarterback. Uh, Brett Bielema was the other one. Did you guys see <laughs> what he Bielema said? Brett drove a bus over half his team. His whole yeah. team. <laughs> he's like, uh, yeah, Lovey Smith. Uh, by the way, he's not wrong. Lovey Smith didn't recruit anybody the last couple of years. Lovey's like, ah, I'm just going to chill in Tampa. Why would I be in Champaign? I got a place in Chicago. Like, what? 
Yeah, he's not he, he's not wrong, but you don't say it. Yeah, I know. I was like, this guy's gonna play for you on Saturday, man. Jonathan Jones uh, on Twitter was like, did did Bieleman just black out and not realize he was in front of a hot mic for a second? Like, he again, not wrong. Type of thing you might say, you know, behind closed doors. Or to I'm a sure friend. he said it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but like, it's like he forgot he was in the middle of a press conference. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, I guess it happens. We should get out of here. Bears, Bucks. We'll talk to you from Tampa. I like going to Tampa. How's the weather going to be? I don't even know. It's going to be nice. It's 85 and sunny right now. Which means it'll be pouring rain by the afternoon. Probably. Probably. All right. Adam Johns, Kevin Fishbane. Follow them on Twitter at Adam Johns, at K Fishbane. Read their work on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can read me on NBCSportsChicago.com. Follow me at Adam Hogue. Please check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe, Hogan Johns on YouTube. Really easy to do. Check us out there. Shirts are up on ObviousShirts.com. And uh, I'll see you boys over at Hell's Hall. How about that? See you there. And see ya. That was the weirdest (laughs) goodbye ever. (laughs) Keep that in.